Groundbreaking space technology exists for all sorts of industries. What does it mean for your business in the next five years and in the next 50? This digital platform in the sky is really going to disrupt virtually every industry. And what we are now seeing is a wave of interest from companies and corporates that traditionally would have no interest in space. That's Mark Boggart, Managing Director of Seraphim Capital, a VC firm with a special focus on space technology. He's here to give us a primer on the economic opportunities in the sky. Welcome to At The Edge, a production of McKinsey's Technology Council. I'm Mina Alagband. Mark, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Very nice to meet you, Mina. You are the first space fund and one of the most prolific investors in space. Could you just start by painting us a picture of what people mean when they say the space ecosystem or the space economy? Okay, there are three big trends that are driving the space ecosystem. Uh, We're all familiar with uh, Elon Musk and SpaceX and um, how they've driven uh, the cost of launch down to less than $1,000 per kilo today. And behind SpaceX, there are 150 other rocket launch companies that are all using reusability and 3D printed components. And that's um, set to drive down the cost of sending a kilo into space even further. So that's one side of the equation. The other side is a revolution in the satellite industry. So typically satellites in the past have have cost um, $500 million to a billion dollars. They've been the size of a car or the size of of a bus. And what's happened in recent years is that entrepreneurs have been taking uh, technology components from other adjacent sectors, such as consumer electronics, oil and gas, and have been creating satellites that are smaller, faster, cheaper. So these satellites are the size of a microwave or the size of something, uh, size of a shoebox or indeed something that fits in the palm of your hand. But they've got much of the functionality of the satellites that cost hundreds of millions of dollars. So bringing these two things together, low-cost launch, low-cost miniaturized satellites, it means we're now in an era where we're capable of launching hundreds or even thousands of satellites in a single constellation. And this, we believe, is building a digital infrastructure in the sky. Climate and sustainability, connectivity, autonomous mobility, IoT, smart cities, defense. These are trillion-dollar market opportunities that are now being addressed from this digital infrastructure in the sky. Mark, it sounds like the rate of growth and innovation in space has really been picking up. What does this mean in terms of the kinds of businesses that you're investing in and and seeing being developed? We're still really only at the foothills of growth of this market. There's only actually been 13,000 satellites that have ever been launched since the history of uh, the space age. 3,500 satellites are today operational in space, and more than 75% of those were launched in the last three years. Over the next few years, there's going to be tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of satellites that are going to be launched. So this is where the opportunity is right now, is investing into the companies that are creating these new opportunities in these very broad markets from climate, connectivity, mobility that I outlined before. You said something interesting there, which was kind of described the opportunity really as about the growth in satellites and the implications for the Earth economy. Maybe we could just start there and understand a couple of the examples that you think are most exciting that are going to be enabled by this new sort of digital ecosystem between near space and Earth. So um, a portfolio company, for example, they have developed cell towers in space 
where they are able to communicate with any mobile phone without any hardware or software adjustment to that phone. So this company engages with the customer base through relationships with mobile network operators. They've signed up seven operators and have 1.8 billion customers through those relationships right now. And they're building up their infrastructure to focus on the equatorial region. So once they're able to start providing that service, it's going to enable the unconnected to get connected. Half the world today is 5G. The other half of the world is 0G. So at a point when anybody can use a low-cost smartphone to get online, it's going to drive health, it's going to drive education, it's going to improve standards of living around the world. So that's one example of, uh, of, of a big impact that we see is going to be uh, generated um, from space. Let me give you a, a, another one. So this company has developed the world's largest constellation of radar satellites. A radar satellite enables you to be able to look down at the ground in all conditions, regardless of whether it's day or night, regardless of what the weather is or whatever the cloud cover is, and to be able to see the ground in 50 centimeter resolution. So by building a large constellation, what they're able to do is revisit the same square meter of Earth every three hours. And at 50 centimeter resolution, they're able to determine change detection for that square meter of Earth. So they are building up a database of what happened around the world an hour ago, a day ago, a week ago, a month ago, a year ago. And then you can use that data to infer what might happen looking forward. So this data set is applicable to every single vertical you can think of, in particular defense, climate, and it has many applications around the insurance market. It sounds like some of the examples that you gave take current industries that exist and say, how can I apply a significant amount of satellite data, image data about what's going on on Earth and accelerate, revolutionize my business model, monetize my business model better? Are there businesses that you're seeing that actually create new categories of industry or will really shift the way in which we operate in the earth economy? Well, I think that in the first stage, we're going to see significant disruptions to existing categories. Insurance is a great example. What's insurance about? It's about evaluating an asset, monitoring an asset whilst it's being insured, and then evaluating any claims. All of that can be done automated from space. So that's going to be able to take a a huge amount of cost and time out of the system for the insurance market and is going to open up a whole range of new market opportunities. The next stage that we believe space is going to be heading in the next five years or so is around lifting industries, particularly dirty industries, from Earth into space. So the example that I like to give here is around data centers. So what's required for a data center a large amount of land, a large amount of cooling, and a large amount of energy. All of those things are available in abundance in space, in particular by being able to draw upon the sun for the power. So we've talked about how there's going to be tens and hundreds of thousands of satellites in space, all generating data in real time and connectivity. There's no reason to bring that data back down to the Earth. It's really only the insights that that we want. And then looking a little bit further out, I believe that there are some huge new opportunities that are going to be presented by space. So things like solar energy from space, so space energy, solar farms from space, being able to provide clean energy to our planet. 
space agriculture. I have this vision in my head, Mark, of sort of looking looking up from the Earth and seeing a constellation of data centers and, and satellites, floating vertical farms. I think some of these things, especially as we start to get into the outer reaches, it becomes almost hard to imagine, hard to visualize what that's going to look like without dipping into the realms of, of science fiction. Is there a way in which you categorize the opportunities in space between either sort of different parts, the, the launch and near space and in further space, the Earth economy and the space economy. How do you how do you sort of think about this whole new economy and where the opportunities might be? So I've got quite a simple answer to that question. We're, we're very much focused on space looking down at Earth at the moment because that's where we believe the largest opportunity is. Taking this digital infrastructure and applying all of the data and connectivity to address many of the problems that we face on Earth, creating a huge amount of opportunity and a market which we believe is a trillion dollar market opportunity. It's actually over the next few years that it's really going to be the big difference. GPS is something that we take for granted. It's in our pocket and drives our everyday life. I think that there are going to be four or five other GPS-like services. They'll just become a routine part of our life and uh, uh, the data that, uh, that drives our existence. And all that's going to happen within a handful of years. i just imagining what those applications will be in my everyday life and how, as a consumer, that will change things. You know, if you take yourself back to the year 2000 and you say, well, you know, how is the internet going to affect my life? You wouldn't have thought about things like, you know, the total disruption of the taxi industry by Uber or the disruption of the hotel industry by Airbnb. So it's all of these huge impacts that are going to be delivered as a result of this new data that it's really difficult to get your head around. One thing that I do know is really going to be the most impactful is actually when you start to marry together or fuse different data sets. So these are some of the big things that have really driven GPS forwards, using that data in conjunction with other terrestrial data. There are so many different forms of new data sets that are going to come from space. Simple things like finding parking spaces are going to become something that's very straightforward over the next few years. We'll forget how we had to sort of drive around, trying to avoid yellow lines and things like that. All of these things, I believe, are going to incrementally come in and and then really impact us. There is probably from from those of us not involved day to day in the space industry, a little bit of a question in our minds of how is this time different? Is this really the inflection point where these opportunities are just around the corner? Or is this a moment of hype like 2000 and we might see some receding excitement from the market? We believe it is different this time around because we are right now at a key inflection point across four key areas. One is global security. So we're in an environment now where defence budgets are increasing at a rate that we've never seen before, certainly not for uh, for decades. We've then got issues around food security. And this platform from space is really going to be an enabler to ensure governments have got sovereign security over food. And then, of course, we've got climate and sustainability. Space holds the answer to many of the issues that are faced by the planet, improving our ability to be able to use our resources more efficiently, improving our ability to be able to monitor the actions of bad actors, those that are chopping down rainforests, those that are dumping effluent into rivers. Through this digital infrastructure, there is no place for these to hide. They will be caught. They will be held to account. One of the big technology shifts that you just described is really around reducing the cost per kilo 
of taking things into space. Do you see any technological advancements on the horizon that give you confidence that that might happen in the next 5, 10, 15 years? So yes, I do. So we're about to make a huge step change during the course of the next year when companies like SpaceX bring out their next generation rocket, Starship, that has significantly more capacity than any other rockets previously. And as a consequence, further significantly reducing the cost of sending a kilo into space. And then there are new technologies that are out there that are being developed at the moment, companies that are literally throwing objects into space. If you think about getting raw materials into space that will enable us to be able to start building out this new level of infrastructure that we're talking about. Is there an international coalition or pathway to create a governing body that thinks about things like space debris? Yeah, well, the the closest to that is the United Nations, and they are very focused on on this issue. There There is complete agreement globally about what needs to be done. So there's really a number of things that need to be done. One is that um, satellites that are being launched need to have their own independent propulsion capability so that when their satellite is broken down or has reached the end of its life, that propulsion can send it down to back towards Earth where it burns up in the atmosphere. Number two is um, where they have a contract with a company who will remove a broken satellite or a satellite that has reached end of life. And then number three, to have an insurance and that insurance would then have um, contractual relationships with the companies that can, um, can, can, can move those technologies out of space. The space companies are very concerned about leaving anything behind in space. It's still really the governments that need to moderate their behavior. We've seen governments like Russia and India uh, doing ASAT tests where they shoot down their own satellites in order to demonstrate their capability. We've got examples of governments around the world, including the U.S., still leaving behind fairings from large rockets when they launch into space. So there really is this need for a greater level of uh, regulation. And it is going to come. It's slowly coming. And now the companies are in place that will enable this are already here today. But I fear that it's going to take a world event to make the space agencies coordinate and regulate uh, collectively. How do you drive governance in space? That remains a key challenge. On a per-country level, we see the the methods that the different governments are using to try and provide some governance. But the issue is that um, whilst the US can provide restrictions from using radar data uh, in the US, they're not capable of stopping that data being used in other countries. So it's possible to, to just move to a different country and continue to sell that data. So the the regulation is meaningfully behind where the operators in the market are today. That's creating an opportunity for the the companies that we're investing into who are behaving responsibly. There's also a a huge amount of catch-up that's required by the regulators to uh, ensure that appropriate governance is in place. How do we think about the relationship between countries on Earth and how they may interact in space? If you look at the International Space Station, This was just a great example of harmony between different nations. Up until only a handful of years ago, for for quite a number of years, all of the US launch and all of the US astronauts were launched from Russian soil. I think recent events are uh, creating a new space race. I think that space is going to be a a new area where we see that competition 
is really going to start driving change. Are there things that companies and business leaders need to be thinking about to navigate that complexity? You know, sadly, I think that the time of globalization is uh, is behind us. And companies are now thinking about supply chain and thinking about um, bringing the supply chain closer to home because of the issues that we've suffered during COVID that have now been subject to the political and uh, war issues that we're now seeing around around the globe. All companies are thinking about that right now. So we're going to see a lot more manufacturing capability coming um, back to Europe, back to the US. Mark, you've described a really interesting set of opportunities for entrepreneurs in the space industry. But what does this mean for CEOs and what are the implications? How are corporations starting to think about the opportunities in space? Yes, well, we've talked about how this digital platform in the sky is really going to disrupt virtually every industry. And what we are now seeing is a wave of interest from companies and corporates that traditionally would have no interest in space. So, for example, uh, many of the big car manufacturers, they're now making sizable investments into space to enhance the capability of GPS infrastructure so that their autonomous vehicles are secure and safe. We're seeing increasingly um, pharmaceutical companies that are looking to space in order to be able to take their experimentation to the next level. So, for example, there's been billions invested in pharmaceutical drugs that haven't successfully made it all the way through the clinical trial process. What we're now entering to is an era where those drugs are being taken into space and experiments undertaken in zero gravity, where all of the molecules perform in a completely different way. And there's an expectation that there's going to be some fundamental breakthroughs that couldn't have been done in a, in a gravity environment. If you don't mind, I'm going to ask you a few quick fire questions, Mark. No problem. Amongst all of the companies that you've seen innovating in space, which one gets you the most excited? So one of our portfolio companies is truly exciting. So this company is already today got 150 satellites in orbit. They're all the size of a shoebox. And what they do from those satellites is they monitor the weather, they track every boat on every ocean, and they track every plane in every sky. So that is a very significant amount of very valuable data that's being collected from this very low-cost infrastructure. What is your biggest concern when it comes to the space economy? So the militarization of space is, uh, is, is my main concern. I think that we've seen significant increase in government budgets, and I believe that much of that is going to be directed into the space domain. And we're fearful of that resulting in war activity in the space market. Now, we don't believe that that's likely because it's a bit like the nuclear deterrent. What is the most inspirational or guiding science fiction that you've read or watched? So I, I'm a big um, fan of the uh, of the book Ulysses, James Joyce. Um, so that that has always been a, f- a fascination uh, for me. Mark, I'm, you're the first person I've heard who describes Ulysses's sci-fi. So I think that's already quite novel. It, it's just my view of the book and the way that um, you know that I, I believe that it sort of underpins science. In your vision in 2100, when we are beyond near space. Do you think that we will find other intelligent life forms? 
So I think we're going to find other intelligent life forms far quicker than that. I'm very excited about the James Webb Telescope. So this telescope um, is placed in an orbit about a million miles away from Earth. So that's circa four times the distance of the Earth um, from the Moon. And it's six times more powerful than the Hubble Telescope, which was the previous premier space telescope. It's recently been commissioned and is focused on exoplanets around the universe, specifically looking for life. I believe that the capabilities of that satellite are going to evidence life elsewhere. And I believe that that will then set us on a course of investing into the technology and infrastructure that will enable us to first be able to communicate and then secondly be able to go and visit those other beings. Do you think you'll make it into space or do you think you'll have to wait for your daughter's generation to make it up there? I think that I will make it into space, but I'm going to wait until such a time as there's actually somewhere to go to. Going up in in a space rocket and coming down after a few minutes of weightlessness is not something that I'm, I'm prepared to do. But if I'm able to go and spend a little bit of time on a uh, space station, space hotel, or even stay in a building on the moon, I could certainly be encouraged to do that. Well, Mark, I think you're probably surrounded by the most interesting people in business today. And I'm so glad we had a chance to chat. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to At The Edge. I'm Mina Alagband. Go to mckinsey.com to read more of our latest publications. And if you liked what you heard, please leave a rating and a review. See you soon.